Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Thanks for joining us in our studies in the Epistle of Jude, that one chapter bomb. It's an explosion of truth this one little chapter, and today we're in Jude verse 5. But before we get to Jude 5, I need to make a a statement of what I'm trying to do and what you need to try to do. There's a difficult but important task for every Christian, especially anybody trying to teach the faith, whether if you're a, a priest, a deacon, a catechist, or a parent, or a school teacher trying to convey the faith, the difficult task is to maintain balance between two seemingly conflicting truths. There's a temptation in all of us to pick one of two truths that seem the most desirable and ignore or downplay the other. That's how Some of our Protestant friends end up with different denominations. It's not like uh, one is is, uh, denying the truth. Maybe one has just picked a certain portion of the truth to emphasize and then de-emphasize the other part. Now, you think I'm picking on Protestants. Catholics do the same. There's even parishes that are known for one perspective versus the other. And This balance is like a seesaw, and it's very difficult to maintain, but it should be something done rather consciously. And that's why it's good to read all scriptures, including things like this little neglected epistle of Jude, this, oh, it's only one chapter. What could be in here worthwhile? There's a lot worthwhile. And some of even some of the verses in Jude we may want to overlook. Now, if there's a balance, this, this seesaw balance that all Christians need to maintain, let me give you what is the golden seesaw, the golden balance that needs to be maintained. The first is the holiness of God, and coming from the holiness of God is the idea that God will judge sin and rebellion and whatever else that's against his will and rule. So on the one hand, you have the holiness of God, But on the other hand, you have the mercy and the grace and the love of God. And these just have to be kept together. In fact, I had a very gifted professor in seminary who showed that, you know, rather than running from the holiness of God, recognizing that we come to God as sinners and there's a great gap between ourselves and his holiness, he showed us that actually, rather than rejecting that or hiding from that, is to recognize that and acknowledge that, and the distance between our condition and his holiness is the depth of the love of God we experience in our lives. That's, that's the golden promise. Now, I'm going to give you two verses from Jude that are the side of the seesaw, the golden seesaw, the mercy, grace, and love of God. It starts with the very first verse in the epistle. Those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Did a whole episode on these, this triplet in Jude, 
called, beloved, and kept. This is the security of the person that puts their faith and trust in God. And then at the end of the epistle, it's like a bookend, Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish before the presence of his glory with rejoicing. So what could be more? Now, if I just stop there, we're having a wonderful time on our seesaw, but it's not in balance. And Jude chapter 5 gives balance to these two verses. Now, let's read Jude 5. Now, I desire to remind you, though you were once for all fully informed, that he who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now, just so you know, that word saved and Jude 5 is sozo, the very common Greek verb for being saved. You know, are you saved, brother? Yes, I'm saved. That's the word it's talking about here. Now, it's easy to take saved and divorce it from all types of balance with the holiness of God. We are saved from sin, but not to sin. The false teachers we're saying, basically, we're, we're saved. We're safe to live a life of immorality. Isn't this wonderful? And there's a lot of Christians of all types who think that's kind of why Jesus and churches are here. No, that's not the case. Now, it says they were saved. This is the whole Exodus generation. They were saved, but afterward, they were destroyed because they didn't believe. Now, how many people were saved when they came out of Egypt? Well, we know there was a census of the men over 20. And they weren't trying to be sexist here because part of this census was to see how many men were ready for warfare. And it was kind of a, a military census. So we know from Numbers 1 and Exodus 38 that there were 603,550,000 ,050 men okay, over 600,000 men, over 20 years old, ready for warfare, plus women and children. So this was a big group, okay? Now, of that group, over 600,000 of men, over 20, ready for warfare, how many made it into the promised land? Because the promised land is the prefiguring for us who are our exodus is our salvation, going through the Red Sea is indicative of our baptism, and entering the promised land is like entering eternal life. So how many made it? Far less than 1%. 99.9% did not make it. And Jude, the cousin of Jesus Christ, writing in this epistle, he doesn't pull punches. He said, I'm writing to you, Catholics, because there weren't Protestants around back then. I'm writing to you, Catholics, to let you know and warn you that just as the 99.9% .9 didn't make it, those who are teaching this false truth 
two believers sneaking in the church, and those who follow that truth will not make it, period. This is staggering. I mean, there's there's a a sea of younger priests who have taken up this idea, dare we hope that all people are going to be saved. Have you really looked into Jude 5 and what happened in the Exodus? 603,000 men over 20, two made it. Joshua and Caleb, two out of over 600,000. So, you know, God is not a joke. Now, again, you don't just take this and like say, ooh, I'm going to scratch my nails and I'm on a tightrope and as soon as I make a mistake, God's going to send me to hell. No, that's not the case. I gave you Jude 1 and Jude 24. I did a whole episode on that before we even got near this. And then we're going to Jude 5. And before we even looked at Jude 5, I reminded you of those things. And we need to remind ourselves of those things that the reason we'll make it is because God called us and God loved us, and God will keep us, but it's not a joke. And we're living in a day where the majority of the world is not living according to a redeemed life. And you say, well, I'm just like everybody else. In fact, I'm a little above average. If you're a little above average, you're probably in very, very, very deep trouble because he's called you to a different way of life. So, this is a stark warning. Now, there's another warning. Um, I have this, uh, these little capsules. I can buy like a, a 10 of them for a buck that I, when I give my young grandchildren a bath, okay? And then you put this little capsule, just like a vitamin capsule in warm water while they're taking your bath. And it's like one set has like cars or dinosaurs or different animals. And they go from a little capsule. And once they get wet and warm, they blow up. Okay. Well, Jude 5 is like that little capsule. And 1 Corinthians 10 is like that little capsule in warm water what blows up to something and kind of like a full-blown motion picture. 1 Corinthians 10 St. Paul. This is right in line. And people say, well, Paul's just about the grace and mercy and love of God. He sure is. That's his main theme, but he also wrote 1 Corinthians 10. We need to keep it in balance. And here's what St. Paul said. I want you to know, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized in Moses and the sea. In other words, going through the Red Sea was equivalent to our baptism. And then he said, 1 Corinthians 10.3, we all ate the same supernatural food. The manna was like the bread of life in the Eucharist, okay? These were all prefigurings. And then he goes, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, and they were overthrown in the wilderness. And St. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians, the Catholics in Corinth. Jude wrote it to Catholics in the first century church. There's false teachers that are spreading lies that we are saved for immorality, free, you know, we're free to just do as we want. No, that is not the case. And Jesus Christ said on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, he goes, not everyone who says to me, 
Lord, Lord. This isn't talking about us and, you know, the radical atheist or the pornography producers and all that kind of stuff. No, these are people who profess to be Christians. And Jesus said on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. This is the other side of the balance. Very difficult to hold the two. And the balance is, now I desire to remind you, this is Jude, that he who saved a people out of Egypt, including over 600,000 men over 20 years old, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now, you say, well, I got to go live the Christian faith. You do. But the key is Christ living in you. You lean on him for the power to live the Christian life. Okay? It's Christ is the secret to the Christian life. So as Jude says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here you have in this little verse a powerhouse a powerhouse warning to those who have in seminary been brainwashed to think that, hey, everybody's going to, or almost everybody, or can't we hope that everybody's going to go? And Jude has a contrary opinion. You've been listening to episode 312 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.